uh, I think that was 2004. Yeah, it was really bad. And so every night I would just call call home just to connect after a long day. And I remember uh, the one that I called in, uh, my brother just handed the phone to my mom and my mom told me that Josh had killed himself. And um, that was, that was, I remember just dropping the phone and, and just going outside and beat the shit out of a garbage can and just kind of was on the ground. That sent me off that path of wanting to be a police officer and starting to work with people. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I got a really special guest today. His name is Ryan Mullins. He's one of my fellow brothers from the Fit for Service, Aubrey Marcus Fellowship that I'm in this year. This guy is somebody pretty special. I've worked with him personally. Um, we've gone into some deep spots. Um, we worked through what was called emotional intelligence, and he really helped me through a certain part that we were dealing with that we'll talk about in the show. But this guy is really special and he, he has a really incredible story with very similar paths and some of the similar choices that we took. And we kind of ended up in the same, not the same place, but, you know, same sort of journey. Um, and now, you know, being connected within the Fit for Service group, it's a blessing. So um, I really wanted to bring Ryan on because he's, he's definitely a leader in the group and the guy teaches leadership for a living. He's got masters in leadership and he really knows the core fundamental, the fundamentals of how to be a leader, how to deal with anger management. And he does this at a very high professional level. So he's got a lot of insight. And I think this conversation, it does go very deep. It does get pretty emotional and we really hit home with some awesome, with some awesome uh, conversation. Lots of good tools and tips for you guys to take away from this. And I really believe that you'll get a lot out of it. So if this is your first time here, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple or if you're watching it on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. And if you get value from this, let us know what you think. Leave us a review on Apple, always appreciated. Or share it with a friend with somebody that you think needs it. This show is is only grows as fast as as it gets out there, right? So the more people share it, the more people talk about it, the faster it'll grow. And somebody needs this, right? And if you're that somebody, and this could be the show that changes your life. And that's really why I do this. And I'm on a mission to get this into as many people's lives as possible. So you guys, um, listen to this right till the end. I promise you, you're going to really enjoy this and get ready to go deep because we go deep. Ryan Mullins coming right up. Here we go. Ryan Mullins, welcome to the show, brother. So good to connect with you finally on here. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Dude, so, super excited. Um, man, where do we even start? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. That's a great question. Where do we start? Crazy times, man. Crazy, crazy times. So how is it? how are you doing right now, man? How's the last six months been for you? Get my get my ass handed to me, <laughs> for lack of a better word, but in 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 the best way possible. Uh, I, I would add, 
it's uh it's actually the last two years have probably been some of the most challenging of my life and um and yeah so it, it's been a bit of a crazy ride yeah it's uh i don't know man i think you know i've had this talk with a lot of people about the last six months and it's really interesting because every single person has had a different experience you know as a collective we're going through this this craziness but like each person has had to sort of dig deep at some point and i know that you've been going through your own personal stuff and and all of that so yeah man what's what's been what's been the most challenging part of all this for you and then you know i would love to get into kind of the stuff that we that you helped me with kind of beginning of COVID. We'll get into yeah, that. Yeah. But like for you personally, bro, like what's been the biggest struggle for you, man, and, and your takeaway so far out of all this stuff? You know, if we're, if we're thinking in a, a COVID context, um, you know, it hasn't like been too bad. Uh, you, you know, I, I work from home a lot. I'm a leadership consultant is, you know, one of the things I do. And I, I work uh, with healthcare a lot. Um, and so being able to, you know, continue that. Um, I think, you know, one of the, the, the challenges is, is just the general pinching that we all feel, right? You know, we're, you know, we're social creatures, man, and we can't help picking up on the strain and stress around us. And, you know, I can definitely feel that too. And, and, you know, and I've heard it a couple places, but I do firmly believe it is, is, you know, COVID or, you know, any kind of stressful situation, but COVID in particular is, is really just pressing the system and then it shows where all the cracks are. And, and you know, and I, and I think that's, uh, that's what life does in general is, you know, that's that Peter Crone uh, quote is, you know, life will present you with the people and challenges to show you where you're not free. Mm. And, and I think that's really what's happening. And, and for me, the, the pressing is just kind of in that, you know, general theme, if, you know, if I step back and, and look kind of internally on, you know, what are some of those messages that I get, you know, it, it's, it's around a lot of that self-worth and, um, and self-love ultimately is, is what it always kind of comes down to. And I mean, that's the big theme in which I, I generally work with others, people too. Yeah, man, I, I remember working with you and, and, you know, with emotional intelligence, and all that kind of stuff was was really interesting and you know really highlighting i know where i was and the things that i need to work on because when you're in a, when you're when you're trying to run a business and you got team and you got clients and you got covid and you got all these things there's so many levels that you need to show up on and you know, not all of us are strong in all these areas. So yeah. really learning and being self-aware to be able to go into those dark spots that we're not, not afraid of, well, that we are afraid of is, is challenging. Like, <laughs> like I, I, me personally, like, man, I, I mean, I cried like a little baby when we went in there, man. Like it's, <laughs> it's tough. Dude. Yeah. But the end, but that's a strength. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's what I love about you, man, is you have the willingness to go there. And, and I mean, that's, that's, that's the key is, you know, life isn't about the absence of challenge. Um, and, 
life isn't about it always being feeling good and, and such, you know, it's, it's the challenge and, and you know, this really well, like it's the challenge that we overcome that really, um, helps define us and, 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 and strengthen us. But it, it comes down to perspective. And like you were saying is, you know, when it comes down to some of that emotional intelligence stuff, it's, it's how, how we make sense of that and how aware are we of those things that are going on inside of us. And that, you know, and I know when we talked, it, it was just, you know, you're, you're totally willing to go right in there. Right. And vulnerability and courage go hand in hand. You can't really have one without the other. Mm. How did you get into all this stuff, man? Take, yeah. us, take us back to kind of the beginning, because I know you have, you have a pretty cool, you had a pretty cool path and you know, to be able to be the man you are today, man, there's a lot of, a lot of shit you got to go through. So walk us through a bit of that, man. Start wherever, yeah. you, feel, uh, wherever you feel called to start. Oh, dude. Um, I, I mean, that's a, that's a big question. It's an important question. And, and, you know, if I have to go back, it has to go to the roots and it really goes back to when I was a kid and, and, you know, growing up, um, you know, you, you hit school and here I am just this little ADD learning disability kid, you know, ha have it diagnosed, reading and writing doesn't come easy. And, you know, and that's such those formative years. And so here I am going to school and I mean, reading and writing just doesn't make sense. And so you can see I'm sitting there and I'm starting to develop this narrative that I'm, I'm stupid. Right. And, um, there's something wrong with me. And then, you know, on top of that grade two was a very challenging year. I got put into a specialized pro program and in that I, uh, I experienced some pretty, pretty bad bullying, uh, it, you know, just random, which was kind of kind of the worst. This one kid that was picking on me, I'd be just you know walking in the field, and all of a sudden, you know, drop kicked in the back, and and trying to make sense of something that at at a young age, at around seven, right, is is really hard. You know, you you're just trying to discover who you are and such. Um, I remember one time in particular, I was uh, uh, knocked out, and I, I woke up at recess, and everybody was gone, and I have blood on my face. I'm in this field. And, you know, in that moment, it, you know, and it really sticks to me now today is that, you know, I felt very unsafe and I started creating this dialogue that, you know, obviously, you know, I can't read write like other people's. There's something wrong with me. I'm getting picked on. Uh, I need to make people like me. And this was the really genesis of, of this kind of persona I've developed and I've been working with over the last 38 years of, um, not being good enough, right? The sense of inadequacy. Um, and so that, that was like this kind of this foundation in which I started moving forward with. And, you know, I, I go into, um, there's kind of two parts of the story. And, and, and I think I'll share this because, you know, just the nature of the, this podcast and, and kind of the challenges that have overcome that led me really to where I am and, and the medicine that I serve and the, the challenges I still work with. But, uh, you know, in that time, I also met a, a young boy, his name was Josh, and uh, he was one of my first, like, real, real good uh, friends. And, um, and there was this one time, you know, this is grade two, and I, I'm, I'm getting bullied by this kid, and this kid at gym class takes a big mouthful of water, and it just turns around and spits it in my face. Um, and, um, 
Josh, you know, saw this and he goes and he takes this big mouthful of water and, and Josh, we get, we used to laugh because he could put like, like four grade A eggs in his mouth. So he just sucks, sucks in all his water and he spits it all over this guy. And, um, and they go, yeah, they both get sent off to the principal's office. But that was, that was a pretty important moment for me because, you know, here's someone that stood up for me and, you know, I have this dialogue of self-worth going on. And so Josh and I became uh, really good friends and I ended up going to another school uh, the following year and uh, Josh uh, ended up coming halfway through the, the school year. And so we continued to be uh, uh, friends and, uh, and such. Uh, but when uh, Josh got removed from his house uh, by social services and um, uh, his mom was really struggling with some addiction, but didn't have a dad. And so basically he came, uh, my parents basically adopted him. He was my foster brother, he lived with me for the next uh, um, about eight years or so. So he's my brother and, and such. Um, and so, you know, as I kind of moved through those challenges of self-worth and stuff like that, I, I, you know, I think I was very fortunate from a young age. I always knew I wanted to help people. I started angling myself to the police force. Uh, I joined the military to get experience. I got into an undergrad in criminology. Um, and started going that way. Um, I was deployed though, uh, to some forest fires, uh, when I was in the army, uh, in Kelowna there, uh, I think that was 2004, those was big bad. fires we had. Yeah, it was really bad. And so every night I would just call, call home just to connect after a long day. And I remember, uh, that one night I called in, uh, my brother just handed the phone to my mom and my mom told me that Josh had killed himself. And, um, Fuck. that was, that was probably the single most shocking moment I've ever experienced because I wasn't expecting that. I remember just dropping the phone and, and just going outside and beat the shit out of a garbage can and just kind of was on the ground. Um, and it was that kind of event combined with, you know, some of my personal history um, that sent me off that path of wanting to be a police officer and starting to work with people. Um, I uh, started working with at-risk youth uh, in, in a therapeutic treatment center. Uh, and then it, quickly after that, I realized that, uh, you know, these kids are messed up because of their families. So I, I shifted and started doing some, some family counseling. And then I quickly realized, I mean, these, these families are messed up because of society. And so I went and I did my master's in leadership and, and kind of the idea of to position myself where I can help people who help people. Uh, to have that greater greater impact, and excuse me, and that's really where it's led me to today is is really supporting people in these areas of emotional intelligence, uh, really knowing yourself, knowing the root of of the things that are informing the way we go about interacting in the world, right? How do we make sense of things? Because uh, one of those things, I, and I continue to do this, is I'm an anger management instructor. So I teach court-mandated anger management courses. Um, and, and it's mainly men in those classes. But, you know, when they're coming in, you can see, like, this anger. What are these core roots? And because and, at the end of the day, you know, people, I believe, are seeking freedom. And, and, and this, this sense of security and, and safety in themselves. But we, we seek that outside of ourselves all the time. And we've just learned so many unhealthy habits around how do we kind of fulfill those needs? How do we find our self-worth? And, and it just 
becomes this almost this system of, of behaviors and ways of being in the world that don't really service us. Mm. And so that's, that's, that's been like, that's kind of the long uh, journey to, to where I am. Some of those experiences that have brought this, but this is, this really comes down to it is, you know, my, my message in my work now, because, you know, there's, there's much more to my journey that actually continues from that, but is, is it's about self-love. Right. And, and it, it all starts with how do, how do we feel and love ourselves? Because from that place, all those other issues become understandable. We can see, see how we can start managing those things. And, and uh, you know, and, and I know it can sound cheesy, um, but when we start really digging into that, there's, there's so much freedom that can be experienced. Yeah. Man, thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that. Um, that's never an easy thing to deal with, dealing with any sort of uh, suicide or any sort of anything that, especially if it's the first time that it's close to you and you think that that doesn't happen in your world, that happens in the movies or that happens somewhere else. And when you're faced with that, it's a real... It's a real mind fuck. So let me ask you, have you, first of all, like how did you, how did you process that? And have you fully, has, how has that, like have you fully processed it? Because that's one of these yeah. things that, you know, losing a brother to suicide, I think I have. And there's times where I'm like, I don't even fucking know if I've even thought, even gone in there yet as much as I have even faced it yet, if I've just put it on the side, mm. like, did you use it to motivate you or have you really like gone in there and processed it? What is that like for you now? Yeah, dude, grieving. Yeah, it's, it's something else. Um, it hurts, right? I mean, it hurts. I, you know, I think of them now and it, it brings up tears. Um, I loved him. He was my brother, you know? Um, I think of some of the goofiness of him and he was always, you know, about a year and a half older than me and he's always older, but you know, now this many years on, I have a, a, a kid and a family. Um, and I like to believe Josh is, is part of that still, even though he's not physically here. Um, because you, you know, there's that saying is you, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. And when I really process it, I, I look at Josh as someone who is in my life to really give me a gift. He changed the trajectory of my life. You know, I could have gone into policing, and policing is very important. Um, but the policing idea was really attached to my sense of inadequacy and feeling that if I wore a uniform, I, I, I might be good enough, right? Um, and and that what I was really wanting to support people with whether I knew it or not is, is that sense of self and, and, and such. And, and I look at Josh and what, you know, you, you think about it and what does it take to take your own life? You know, what, uh, what kind of things are you, you, you suffering with that the, the, the only out that seems rational at this point would be take your own life. And I can't, I can't imagine that. And I, I don't want anybody to, to really have to experience that, but it's a, it's a reality. Um, and I mean, look, you know, a big part of it is, is, you know, I love working with men and 
who kills themselves the most is men. And why do, like, why do you think that is? Disconnect. I think a lack of connection. Um, a lack of acceptance. A lack of having people knowing that they accept you. I really think it's, it, it, it is, it's an isolation. I think it's obviously a lack of self-love, but at the core, I feel that they have a way of pulling away from things. And it's hard for me to imagine if you're deeply connected and have relationships that you would do that. I feel like you almost have to be at a point of isolation and disconnect that that's, that's it. Like that, that's all you, you feel like that's the only option. So to get to that point is I, uh, there's so many things, right? There's so many things that could get you there in that. And it's gotta be rooted with trauma, right? It's gotta be deep rooted of some sort of way that you've never felt fulfilled or you've never felt that like real belonging or sort of connection or uh, to get to that place, man. I don't know. It's, it's complicated. Yeah. And I think it is, you know, and you know, and I think it's important to recognize, yeah, these things, these things are complicated and, and some things are going to be unique to people and some things are going to be shared. And we do have some shared experiences. Like, you know, I, I think of Josh and, and kind of like what you're saying is he was my brother. I loved him, but there was a part of him that never felt like he belonged, I believe. Mm. Right. You know, he, he wasn't biologically from it, but I know my family loved him and I know he experienced some rejection from his father uh recently before that happened um and you know trying to reach out and so that alienation is a big part you know i used to be a youth addiction counselor and um you know when we look at addictions and depression and stuff like that a lot of it can be rooted to this this lack of connection which is mm -hmm. so so important um and then what i really you know kind of coming to to look at it and so years of teaching you know, men who are coming to the anger management courses that are, that are, you know, expressing and lashing out, um, it is, it's really, it's like, how, how are we connecting to those emotions? And this is, it comes down to this idea of emotional self-awareness, which is really understanding the subtleties between different emotions. Like, do we even have uh, an emotional vocabulary where it can label, you know, what I'm feeling? So what are the subtleties between these emotions that I'm having? And then how do they affect the way I think and behave as a result, right? Like, you know, when people think, you know, I'm angry, I'm angry, right? Well, you know, it's, it's a little more than that. It, like, I would say that anger is a secondary emotion. It's informed by pain, powerlessness, yeah. or fear. And, and anger outwardly is, you know, when I'm expressing it, that aggression is, it's all meant to control something, right? If I'm mad at you, I'm trying to change your behavior. I'm trying to get you to stop. And sometimes that's healthy. Like, I mean, if you're being taken advantage of or hurt or something, a little anger can be a, mo a good motivator. I always say that uh, anger is a, a wonderful motivator, but a horrible consultant, right? It'll motivate you to change something, but how you do it often can cause some problems. But, you know, if we really boil it down and you take any situation where you have anger and you're not wrong for feeling anger, it's an emotional fact. That's what you're feeling. But if, if you can take that time and use that emotional self-awareness and dig down into it, You'll see that it's it's it, there's pain, sadness, right? Pain and sadness kind of go together in my mind. 
uh, this powerlessness is something I just don't have control over. Or this is fear. Um, and the fear more often than not, and I think in our society today, is this fear of inadequacy, fear of not being enough, right? And unless we can kind of touch into that root, you know, we, that, that emotion, if we're not moving it, and the men, if, if, you know, it's like, what are, like, th think about you growing up or the media, like, what do they tell you you have to do with emotions as a man? Yeah, hold them in. That's tough. Hold them in. Yeah, big boys don't cry, you, you know, and all that. Well, the fact is, if you feel something, you're fucking feeling something. Yeah. If you're sad, you're sad. If you're angry, you're angry. There's, there's nothing wrong with you for feeling those things. And this, that self-judge just adds this load on it. And so when I go back to that kind of suicide question, it, you know, it just makes me wonder, you know, what was Josh's outlet? Yeah. What, what would, like, did he have a connection? And this is the thing is like, man, I, I'm, I, I feel just grateful beyond belief you know, to meet people like yourself and to be in this tribe. And as we, as we work through our, you know, mastermind and, and work together, you know, I was just struggling yesterday uh, with something. And, you know, I, I hopped on, you know, called three people that didn't pick up on the fourth person picked up and I talked for an hour and they could support me. And I could just, all I needed to do was just talk about how I was feeling sad, mm. you know, about something that was happening. And, and that's a gift. And, I think it comes back down to that emotional expression and just, you know, we don't have to get rid of these emotions, but just, you know, the first, that starting place is just to acknowledge that we have them and that we don't actually have to push them away that it's okay. I'm sad. I'm angry in this moment. That's okay. Did you see anything, any sort of, because that must be difficult for you and your family because you probably weren't aware. You probably thinking everything's okay. Like, did you see any sort of, was he good at hiding it? Was he, or was there, was there signs that you saw within him that were kind of red flags and that now you see with clients, like you're like, Oh shit, I saw, I've seen uh -huh. that before. Now I'm better yeah. at reading this or was it just a complete, uh, like complete shock? And I guess my question is as well is like, even though that's a terrible situation, like how much did you learn from that that helps you now to, now and what you do? Well, it, I mean, it, it definitely does help me. I mean, it, it fundamentally changed me as who I, who I am and that path I was on. But to answer the kind of first part of that question is that's actually a painful question for me. Um, because I think rationally, uh, initially, it was about um, it was about you see, like I'm trained now, and I can see the difference, uh, and and look for those signs and symptoms in someone who may be thinking of suicide, right? And then I can look back, and I think of Josh, and then I think of those those different signs that we saw, and. It hurts. It, it hurts because I could have said, if I had the training I had now, I could have intervened on that. I could have done something different. And, and so that's why it's a painful question. But that's not the journey I was on. That was not the experience it was because the, I think I, I'm, here's something that you know, some people could get upset uh, for me saying, I would do anything to have Josh back. But the reality of it is, is I wouldn't change it because I wouldn't be the man I am today without him. That, 
It's a painful thing to say. It's the truth. He gave me a gift. And he really set me on this path. And so when you say the signs and, and ask that, you know, yeah, I saw him withdrawing. But it's just like, oh, he's down. Right? We saw him kind of pulling back from family events. You know, it's like, you know, he, he, at this time he had gone to college. He, he's out on his own. But it's like, come back for Christmas. Didn't come back for Christmas. You know, came after Christmas. And, and so these little things are... You know, he asked me one day, you know, he was kind of, he had a bit of a religious background to him. And he says, do you believe in hell? Right. And, um, and we had a conversation about that. And so there's these little signs. Um, and what I do today, man, is, you know, we all struggle. And I don't, I'm not afraid to ask people and I ask it all the time. And I'll just say to them, I'm like, hey, you know, you're down. And yeah, I can tell you're down and it, it can be tough. And you know, it's not uncommon for when people get down to have thoughts of self-harm or suicide. And are you having any of those? And most, for the most part, people say no. But there has been a couple of times with my friends, uh, definitely clients, where they're like, yes. And it's like, great. Well, not great. Um, it's great that you told me. And thank you for telling me and trusting me that. And then we can have a conversation on that and then kind of go down that path of, of discussing that and, and, and helping, right? But, you know, and I say that to, and I say to any of your, your guests listening, it's, it's not uncommon to have, to have thoughts, right? And, and the biggest thing is, you know, again, like you said, do you have someone, do you, is there someone you can connect with? And there's tons of resources that you can actually reach out and talk to because people care. People do care. Talked about it in the past. It's like, I don't think there's one person on earth that hasn't had a suicidal thought at some point, honestly. Like mm. we've all, whether we're kids, we're teenagers, like we all, all have had that, like, would it be better without me here? And then we switch over and it's like, I don't, I think that, that thought, I think people want admitting that they feel guilty and it's like, no, a thought is a thought, but that doesn't mean you're acting on it. That's the difference. Like, I think we've all had <laughs> something t terrible happen. And we just, that comes into our mind. I mean, that's okay. But like, that doesn't mean that that's what you're going to do. But a lot of people are just so afraid of like, just admitting like, hey, you know, life is hard sometimes. Like, you're going to have some crazy fucking thoughts. Like, but, let's, let's take a moment actually. And just like, listen, guys, we're fucking human. Yeah. <laughs> and life, life is hard. Yeah. And, and life is beautiful. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's the fact that it's hard that it can actually be so beautiful as well. Right. It's, it's that, that, that two ends and, and it's, you know, who knows why we're here. And I know it's a big existential question, but there's, there's no sense in denying that we struggle from time to time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what we can also do is we can also give ourselves permission to feel good. Right. Yeah. And, and, and allow that stuff, too, because, you know, I'm struggling right now. But it's a weird thing. It's probably some of the most stress I have, you know, as, as you know, I go through a divorce, I have a, have a son. And um, I'd love my son dearly. And I have a lot of fears or, you know, around him. And I know a lot of those fears are actually projections of mine. But, you know, as I go through this, I've never struggled so much, but I also feel very grounded and I have the, and, and, and I feel very okay too. And, and maybe that's just what happens when you gain more experience in life. And, and you, you know that, you know, we go through troubles, we go through things and go through situations and we, we come out on the other side. 
but you know, you know I just I, I kind of give a shout out if you're human fuck yeah you're yeah. you're in the trenches right like yeah. you know you should be proud of yourself um and uh and and give ourselves a little grace and permission to 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 be down and such right yeah. but we can also like i said give ourselves permission to feel good too yeah i mean it's it's good to feel you just don't want to spend too much time in that spot right that's what happens is like mm -hmm people get real comfortable with that spot. And when that takes over, that's when things get a little bit, a little bit ugly. And, you know, I, I just wanted to touch on one more thing about, you know, that looking back and that regret feeling like I feel the same, you know, there's days where I'm like, you know, I was living in Australia. I was kind of neglecting, uh, trying to avoid dealing with it, you know, because of the situation in my family, I was kind of, Oh, when he turns 18, that's when I'll like tell him all what's up, you know, because he had a crazy mom. and My dad married a crazy stepwoman with lots of kids and he was, you know, product of that relationship. And I was always kind of like, oh, when he's 18, I'll tell him how crazy, you know, the real deal. I never got that chance, you know, and, and I look back and I go, shit, you know, like so many things I could have done. Right. Mm. And. But at the same time. My life the trajectory changed that day and which led to, you know, losing my dad too, which are two crazy things. But again, it's a hard pill to swallow, but the only reason I'm on this path, being able to help and have these conversations, help people get out of that kind of shit is because of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, but of course I think human nature, it's like, well, what if I could have done that or what I could have done that? I mean, if we, if we could all do that for everything, we'd all be billionaires. We'd all be, you know, it's like, it's really just acceptance. And I think a lot of people just live their life with so much regret that what they should have done or could have done that they forget about what they could do now mm. in the present moment, right? Because there's so much energy that can go into like thinking about the past and it's all an illusion. It's gone. It's not real anymore. Yeah. Right? Oh, I like, hear you. It's like right now is the time. And it's, but that's not easy, right? I mean, it's easy to say. Well, it, it is. I mean, all this stuff's easy to say, you know, and, and yeah. often when I'm, I'm working with people or coaching people, um, yeah, I'm often talking to myself as well, right? And reminding yeah. myself. And in fact, like, I mean, it can be tough. So, you know, sometimes when you struggle and then you talk to your friend and they're telling something, you know, but you need to hear it from them. Right. And, and the, you know, and often we're just functioning as mirrors for one another. Right. Hmm. You, you said something that was kind of, you know, interesting to me when you talk, when we're, you know, we're talking about regret or should have done these things. And, you know, it, it kind of comes down to something I think of a lot is around expectation. And, and I mean, you know, part of this human experience further than that, you know, our society is really a, an interesting beast in and of itself. And, and, and my always thoughts always go is like, well, well, whose expectations are we trying to live up to? And, and what is self-worth? Like, where does it come from? And, you know, my, I, I think really understanding self-worth becomes this fundamentally important thing to navigate the world today right and this is what we need to be teaching our kids about because you know my my experience uh, growing up was 
you know, go to a class and, you know, here's my parents. I got great parents and they love me through and through and they tell me I'm great. They love me. But then I go to school, you know, grade one sitting there in class, you know, and what does the teacher come out and say? And the teacher comes out and says, Hey, you know what? If you work really hard, you get good marks, you can become a doctor, a lawyer, a police officer, an engineer and stuff like that. So what, what is the message that was just told to me? Right. The message is says, you're not enough as who you are right now. And if you start doing these things, you can be something that would actually say you're enough. Yeah, yeah. Performance. You're not, you're not getting acceptance or you're not getting that unless you perform or do this to get there. You're not yeah. enough. You're not enough as you are. Only if you do this, will you get the recognition? Yeah, well, to- totally. Right. So we, we start indoctrinating ourselves at this, this young age, um, you know, it, and it just keeps happening. And, and this, this kind of indoctrination of saying, when you have this, you will be enough. When you look like this, you'll be enough. When you have these friends, you'll be enough. When you have this relationship, you'll be enough. And th- this just keeps, and the heat on this is just being turned up. Like I worry a lot for my son because when we see the social media and the algorithms that are just placed into that uh, and the kind of pressure to look a certain way and be a certain way, and we're putting our self-worth into that, we growing up, you and I th- thought self-esteem as because like, you know, what would you say we were taught self-esteem as if you were to just throw a definition on it? Oh, dude, that's a great question. Like what is self-esteem? It's fuck, confidence. Like, I don't even really know what that word means. Like someone asked me that right now on the street, I would have to say self-esteem is like confidence and belief in myself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, right? And that's typically what we kind of kind of think of it. Like I um like confidence is like how confident am I to do a task by myself? Like if you ask me to go back up a car parallel park, I'm confident. I'll be like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'll go do that for you. There's there's confidence there. Like confidence in yourself, maybe that's that's a that's another question, right? But when we think of self-esteem, like you, you look at the research out of the 70s and 80s, you know, they wanted to look at successful people. Why are they successful? Well, they have great self-esteem. And well, how do we define self-esteem? And ultimately, it was, how do you feel about yourself? You know, do you feel good about yourself? And if you feel good about yourself, then you have a good self-esteem, and then you're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Well, th- we went out after that and started to make kids, you, me, you know, all these other generations feel good about themselves. So how do, how do we, how do we do that? All right. And how have we done it becomes a question. And, you know, I look at it, you know, I coach my kids soccer end of the season. We don't keep score or anything, right. End of the season. What do they get? A medal. And my, <laughs> you know, and I'm the coach and they give it to you and they give it to all the kids and it's great. And why do they give it to everyone? Because they don't want anybody to feel left out. Right. And I understand that. And, and, I think of my son, I don't want my son ever to hurt, but they give the medal to the kid. And of course, my kid is the one that says, we got these because we won. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you didn't. You got these because you came every day and you tried hard. But when you get older, you know, you, you're going you're gonna to lose and you're not going to get medals. And in fact, and this is a fundamental thing about life is you can do everything right and still fail. Right. And if you can do everything right and still fail, is that a dialogue on your self-worth? Right. It can't be. Right. So we got, we, we, you know, we go about this. We don't fail kids in school anymore. Right. I failed grade four, did that twice. It was probably one of the better experiences I had. It was so helpful actually. 
And so we keep pushing people through and we keep protecting people from feeling bad because we want them to feel good about themselves. So we, we protect them from failing. We want to make sure everybody's included and stuff. And, and I see it in the workplace now as a leadership consultant. What that does is it breeds entitlement. Uh, what yeah. that does is it makes everybody else responsible for your well-being, right? The, the emotional state you have. And now I'm not responsible. Everybody else is. And this is why we have this offense culture out right now. Because if I say something that offends you, that defines me. It doesn't define you. Why would you give someone so much power over that? And then it ends up, we end up giving them so much airtime over that too. And then it makes it feel like the world's coming to an end. So then it comes back to this idea, you know, we've, we've gone so sideways by this because we've caretaked for people's emotions. And in the workplace, you know, because I, I work in leadership and I come into conflicting teams all the time, there's this expectation that you have to make me feel good. And if you're doing something, you need to change. Right. And there's, we've taken away the accountability for our own emotional state, the own, own way we feel. Real self-esteem is, yes, we need to own our strengths about the good things we feel about. Sure. But the most important part of self-esteem, and, and I cannot stress this enough, is not about how you feel about the good things. It's about how you feel about the not so good things. It's how you feel about when you fuck up and you say something stupid, you make a mistake. Right. What is now the dialogue you're saying about yourself? Is this something you learn from and you say, hey, it's all right. Keep trying. I mean, I know we talk a lot about entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Like an entrepreneur needs to have a good self-esteem in order to keep going because, the, you know, you're going to come up and you're going to fail, right? You're going to come up against challenges and stuff like that. And you said, screw it. I'm not, I can't do it, right? So you need that self-esteem to say, yeah, I failed here, but I can do better. I can do something different next time. It's, it doesn't mean I'm bad or not good enough, right? Because if I ask you, Lance, or I ask anyone, and I ask it in my anger management courses all the time, is I say, think about a situation you had in your life, right? The, like the most meaningful lesson you've ever learned in your life. Was it because somebody came and gave it to you or took care of something for you or did something for you? Or was it because it was a horrific fucking event that you never want to experience again, like losing your brother, going through a divorce? You wouldn't want anybody else to experience. You don't want to experience it again, but you wouldn't change it because it was such a fucking gift, right? This is what we need to teach people. We don't protect them from failure. We get them to lean into failure. We get them to embrace it. We, get to, we challenge people when they fail and we go say, what does this mean about you? Right? Yeah. And start going into that place because you know what? What we've done is we've just buried and buried and buried people's self-worth now, right? Under trying to caretake for their emotions. And this is what I see in my anger management courses. This is what I see as a leadership consultant, right? Hmm. Yeah, man. The problem is like the world is going to shit kick you. And if you're living in this false you know, world of sunshine and rainbows. And then all of a sudden you got to go in the real world, man, you're going to fall so much harder. Mm. Like it's, you know, I am grateful for the time that we, you know, we're both the same age, 83, right? Born in 1983. Like we grew up in the nineties. Was it perfect? No, but I'm telling you like going through the hockey 
you know, the hockey stages and how I was coached, was it wrong to some people? Yes. But there was a lot of things that I feel shaped me and developed toughness within me. And that I realized that if I'm not good enough or if not good enough, as, if, if, if I'm not putting the work in to get to this thing, then I don't deserve to have it or whatever. And like you said, there's a lot of people that think they're entitled to everything. And they're not willing to understand that, look, there's a certain thing, there's, there's certain steps that you need to take in order to get to that thing. Not everybody can have it. Like, and that's the rule. That was the thing with sports. And I see it happening now with, I understand like we want to be really careful with how we shape young minds and all that, but there's also a certain level of like their, their accountability, Mm -hmm. mental toughness. Like we have to develop that. Because the world doesn't give a shit. They, it's going to challenge you. And, and, and it's like, if you don't have those things developed at a younger age, it's just going to come out later. Like you're, like you're saying, like you see. And, you know, anger is, anger is a really interesting thing. And I, I want to dive into the anger management because this is something that I have always had in my family. Everybody mm-hmm. had anger problems. and. It's always about holding everything in and then exploding and then mm. saying things you don't mean and, and all of that and ended up hurting people's feelings. Why, why is that? Like, where anger is so interesting. Why do we get so, why do mm. we get so pissed off? Like, why, mm. what gets, why, what do you see as the thing? Is it, is it, yeah like how does that why do some people blow up yeah i'm I'm trying to articulate this question because i'm like thinking about it in my own self and i'm like why did i was it because it's a lack of me um thinking i'm yeah i don't know like why do people like walk us through that a bit man i can't even articulate my words with this no no i I get what you're laying down because it's it's a common question i get it's like understanding and it's not just straightforward right um And, and, it's, and it's complex and, and it somewhat can be unique, but there is still some mechanics. And so in my experience of working through people, this is how I've come to understand it. This biological anger, you know, the organism that's, that's really wired for it, that fight or flight response, right? And it's the fight side of that fight, flight or freeze, right? It's, you know, there's a, there's a threat in the environment that is threatening, threatening your safety. So you need, to, you need to get this adrenaline rush going so you can, you can fight it, right? Um, or you can run away from it, but you know, the anger again is kind of on that fight flight side of things. So if you came up to me, man, and you, you, you're pushing me around or you, you're twisting my arm and it's hurting. If I just sat there passively going, Oh, this really hurts. You know, that that's a risk to me. It's normal. If you were doing something like that for me to get angry and to, to take a swing at you. All right. Like that's, that's to protect me or to protect my child or my family. You know, that's kind of the, the, in the language terms, just the, the root of it. But when we get into the kind of complex society and, and stuff we, we live in, like I said before, it's pain, powerlessness, and fear. And, you know, we, we have all sorts of different behaviors, protective behaviors. So I'll just use myself, for example, right? People pleaser. I needed people to like me because I really didn't like myself. I thought it was stupid, right? I became a really powerful athlete. I uh, played every sport in high school. It was MVP every year. One year I didn't get it. I was all pissed off, right? Um, 
and you know it, it was um you know athlete of the year all that kind of stuff really driven it was all tied into my sense of self-worth okay and so when we when we look at it so for example that year, why was i so angry that one year i didn't get athlete of the year right well i tied in a lot of my identity to it and i didn't get the get the award and when you think of your self-worth there's this fear of inadequacy was underneath that and what it was doing it was pressing into that that it was it was leaving that so i i developed this protective behavior to really strive succeed to please people to have people like me and it really guides a lot of those behaviors so it, you know for your example, like saying bottling up anger and stuff like that is, you know, there can be little frustrating things. The, the key thing here is, is to really start just building some self-awareness. If when you're angry, you're not just angry. It's a secondary thing. Like, what are you angry about? Like if you really stop, because that's where most people stop, especially men, it's like, I'm angry. You're wrong. Right. Uh, and, and it's a really powerful way to just make people wrong or, or to push emotion. But go down deeper. Why am I angry? Um, it's, it's usually helpful to have kind of a, a kind of a situation or a thought. But um, you know, I, I use this for sometimes. Is you know, someone's teasing me about my how you know, oh Ryan, you can't spell, and I might get an over anger response, right? Someone kind of take like a, you know, I write on the whiteboard. I'm a, I'm a leadership consultant. I teach courses. I hate writing on the whiteboard because I just I'm not a good speller. And they're going to see that. And so sometimes people just laugh and they're not laughing at me. They're just kind of, mm. you know, they're used to people being able to spell and I'm not spelling well. So they don't know my history, but I can feel inside myself getting angry. Right. Well, what's really under that? What would you think is really under that anger? It's, it's more of a personal protector. It's like, it is, it's, yeah. you're, you feel like your feelings are getting, there's something connected to like, um, not being enough or it's right on it. it it's that uh, not enough it actually it places this pace of place of pain and this this unresolved part of myself that I, I feel inadequate and if someone comes and presses into that role rather than leaning into hey oh hey i got this piece there and then instead of saying hey you know little ryan that that little boy who's on the, so the soccer field waking up just beaten up and stuff like that that hurt scared kid and going hey you know what man i love you and you don't need to spell anything right to be worthy. And it's okay. And you can spell something wrong on the board. It's as you can laugh about it, right? You know, instead of going to this place of just kind of inward and being, hey, this is okay. What happens is it's like, there's this fear, this is sadness. And that emotion can get lashed out away. And, and we can start attacking people, right? And, and we see this, uh, you know, in conflict, right? Would you rather be right or happy? <laughs> You know, more more often conflicts happen about being right. Well, what's so what's so important about being right? And you see this all the time. People want to be right, but what's so important about it? It's yeah. It's someone's always going to have feelings hurt. Somebody's always like, which book was that? I think it's uh, how to win how to win friends and influence people. Dale Carnegie, yeah. And it's like, yeah. You know, what is the point? Being right, it just means what you'll somebody's going to have hurt feelings or somebody's going to feel better. You're going to feel like what, like what's, what's the game? Like what is really the point of being right? Like what are you, mm -hmm. it's like some ego boost, some sort of dopamine hit or something. It's, it's such a weird thing, man. Like why do we need to be right? Yeah. You're not going to change yeah. their mind. Yeah. Well, and then and you can ask it like, what's the need to be right? Like what is, so in this situation, why do I need to be right? 
And and then if you if you ask like you do the five whys like this is something uh, Japanese manufacturers discovered when you know something went wrong they asked why, and and then they said well why did that go wrong and they found that generally if you ask why five times you get to the root cause of what actually causes the problem, right? Well if we can do that with ourselves emotionally, it's like why do I need right to be right? Well <laughs> because they need to know they're wrong. Well why why why? Do they need? Why, why do you feel that? And 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 you get you get down. Well, I need to feel right because I need to, you know, be because I am right. And it's and then you're like, oh well, why why do you need to be right and to assert that you're right? Because if you're right, then you don't need to prove it to anyone, right? So why am I feeling this? What is that emotion? Anxiety? Is that fear? Mm. Well, as you start peeling these back, what you find is, you know, it goes back to a lot of these core childhood wounds and stuff that, you know, maybe you had a very driven parent that really wanted you to succeed and that if you got something wrong at home, you got punished for it. And, you know, you were, you were wrong or you're humili humiliated for it. And so you, you develop this protector of always being right to be sure that you were right as a way to keep yourself safe from your dad's anger. And what all that does is that that little child just these behaviors move out into the future and they just we adopt them, right? So for me, I'm so uncomfortable with other people being mad at me, right? This is my journey now. I'm working on it. And it's and it's what it was is that if if somebody else wasn't happy or liked me, then really that goes back to the little bullied kid not being good enough. I'm not safe. If you don't like me, I'm not safe. And so I had to kind of go and, and make that person happy. It's a protective behavior. And so, you know, and whenever I'm working with people, it's really about trying to help people map and understand the system of where is this core wound and how did these things, these protective behaviors now stem from this, this one place. And so that's where I kind of go with, you know, the question of anger is kind of unique to everyone, right? But in my experience, a lot of it boils down to a fear of inadequacy. How that fear of inadequacy was birthed is going to look a little different for everyone, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes total sense. And uh, it's and you brought up a point about you know people wanting to. If you really know that you're right, you can stand in your power and just be confident. And especially with going on right now in the world on social media, it's such a toxic fucking circus of people trying to be right. And is such a dance between posting stuff that's going to empower people versus like a fear-based post versus like, I don't need to say this because I know I'm right, but so many people feel that they need to be the convincer. They need to be mm. like the one that's going to like prove everybody wrong. And it's just so toxic. It's yeah. Just, it's just, it's just putting a magnifying glass. It's just highlighting everything, everybody's fears mm. and, 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 <laughs> and everything on social media. And it's like, mm -hmm. I have to sometimes ask myself like, okay, like what is my, what am I going to get out of this? this post or why would I want to react? You know, like, that. am I, am I coming from a place of empowering or am I trying to be the victim? You know, and it comes from love or fear again, every single thing, yeah. love or fear. And so many posts 
And so much of what's going on right now is all fear. And everybody's just mm-hmm. going back to that little child that wants to feel enough, mm-hmm. wants to be held and known that what they say is, is, is the truth. It's like they're not yeah. confident enough in their own power. And that's what I love about Aubrey is Aubrey is so like, he, he's so confident in what he, in his power. And like when he talks about things, he doesn't need to c- come from a place of fear. And that's what I really admire about him. And like, he's really like, he, like his humility and his like humbleness of it, that he doesn't know everything and that he's still learning. But a lot of, a lot of people out there aren't like that. Mm. Right. And that's why I think our community is so powerful too, because yeah. a lot of people are coming from a place of love and coming from a place of listening. And it's really about listening. Yeah. Accepting people for what they say. Huh. Interesting. All right. Like I, I enjoy hearing crazy shit from people sometimes because it gives me a chance to be like, wow, all right. Like that's interesting. They are coming from a, a different lens. I, I think it's so important is, and, and this is kind of how I manage it. And, and it's been a struggle because I look at social media and, and posts and what I ask myself to validate if I'm going to put a post on. Am I, am I putting this post on to be seen saying something? Am I putting this post on to be seen as this, or am I putting this post on to be of service to, right? And, and, and it's okay. Like, you know, we can put posts on to be seen and, and stuff like that. Um, but the, the question has to become, and this is what I, I keep coming back to people to, is what's informing your need to put that post on? What is informing that? Where is that coming from? Right. Because I know I've seen this ego. Like for me, I needed to be that athlete of the year. I needed to be seen getting that award because then I could feel good about myself and feel safe. When I didn't get it, I was upset. I was anxious, but really I was sad. Well, why am I sad? Well, it comes back to, and I said earlier in, 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 in our talk is this is all about self-love. This is our journey. I believe it's a human journey in general is a self-love. So what is real confidence? You know, you had said that, like, what is confidence? Well, to me, confidence is knowing truly that you're good enough, that you, you can screw up and you are enough regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that thinking about confidence because what comes to me is like what Tony Robbins said, and it's always stuck with me. And I think Ed Milet started saying it too, but it's like, it's keeping the promises with yourself, mm. you know, cause at the core of what creates confidence, what is it? It's, it's kind of doing the little things that you said you're going to do the little wins, right? Like if you've had ever had a day where you say you're going to get up and this is my personal struggle that I'm going through all the fucking time saying I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and getting up at 5 a.m., doing the things that I said I was going to do the night before. Like, that shit is so important. Just doing those things, if you have four things and you're winning those consistently over time, that is, that is developing your belief in yourself, mm-hmm. which is confidence, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like there's not some like, magical thing that's going to come out of the sky and going to give you this stuff. It's like the little habits and those, those little things that you say to yourself when nobody's watching that you're doing and you're committing yeah. to it and you're doing them. And then all of a sudden you feel better. 
You know, you, you got up early, boom, you made your bed, boom. You know, you, you've done, you did the journal, you did the meditation, whatever that looks like. And then you've already got the shit done that you said you were going to do. So you feel better and you want to take on more things versus the days where you're like, oh, I'm going to sleep in. Oh, I'm not going to do this. And then two o'clock in the afternoon comes around and you see somebody or you're hanging out with somebody and you're like, you don't feel as confident. You just don't mm. feel as good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're acting out of alignment with what is kind of that higher calling. So here's a trick in my mind. And it's something I struggle with all the time. Because typically, let's say you're going to, you do that, you, you go to bed and you're going to like, I'm going to get these five things done. I'm getting up at 5 a.m. Right? You don't do it. What's the dialogue you have about yourself? What's the emotion that you're holding towards yourself? Fucking, you didn't do it again, yeah. you idiot. You're lazy. Right? It's, it's stuff like that. And so, and then next thing we were like, I'm going to fucking do it and get that anger coming in. And anger is yeah. that great motivator, right? Um, but the thing is, is what, what is sustainable is doing things from a place of love. Yeah. That this is an expression of who I am. And that when we do something good and we feel good about it, it comes from the right place. That feels freaking amazing. Yeah. You know, and we're so trained to force ourselves, especially high-end athletes like you, right? You, you know, you went through that whole, it was, you, it was like anger that drove you forward. Yeah, that was the same with us in the army, right? It's just like anger just would drive us forward, uh, that, that kind of aggression. But the fact is, is passion and belief has so much more fuel mm. than any of that. So if I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to feed my body, right? I'm going to do some movement that I'm like, I can be proud of myself and say, good for you. Yeah. I love you. Thank you. And the, here's the trick is you sleep in till noon and you wake up and say, you know, good for you for yeah. taking the time. Yeah. To just sleep in and, and, and care. And even if you know you've stumbled and let yourself down, you, can, you might feel that momentary regret and anger. How can you flip that mm. from the shame? Because all that anger and stuff, that, that self-dialogue is just reinforcing the senses of inadequacy that we so might true. have. Like, you're not good enough. Can we stop? Can we think of that little kid on the ground? Right? Yeah. You know, that, that, that injured kid, you'd say, hey, I love you, man. And, you, you know, you, you messed up today. And you're still okay. Yeah. You're still enough. And what do you want to do tomorrow that real feels really fucking good? Right? Mm. And this is why getting to the purpose, getting to what really drives you from a core level, not inadequacies, because this is it. You know, our society is running off of inadequacies right now. People are driving themselves based off of having money, having this, having this to be enough. What is driving you from a personal place of power, not an external pace of lacking. Mm. And, you know, these are questions that you, you start asking. But again, it comes back down to, can you recognize and have you gotten familiar with that kind of core, core wounds, you know, that inner child? And can you start loving that and then working your way out from that place? And I'm still doing it, man. It's yeah. layers of an onion. You're absolutely right. There's a, yeah, you can definitely... There's like a guilt that you can put in yourself for not doing what you said. And it's, that's the wrong idea. Exactly. Like if you get, if you put yourself in a shitty mindset and you feel bad because you didn't do something, that's the wrong thing. It's like, you gotta be just like we, we all say, you know, unconditional love for yourself. It's like acceptance. Like, hi, oh, I didn't do it today. That's okay. And, but it's like a fine line between that and developing some sort of discipline too. You know, it's like, I feel like we need, like, I know I need it for myself. Like, I know where I fall apart and it's when I don't have that stuff. Otherwise, I'll just float around. 
And yeah. maybe that's maybe that's just lack of structure in my I don't know, but for me that's and I think this is different for everybody. It's like I've gotten past the beating myself up about it. I beat myself up when I drink, and that's why I'm trying to stop. That's the only time I really beat myself up, but when it comes to like missing little things I don't, but I also think it's super important for me personally that to have those disciplines, those little things that are like I don't have a boss but I'm my boss and I'm going to make sure that like I stay true to myself. Right. So it's like, it's like a real interesting way of like doing it without having as like feeling bad about it, but still like empowering yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, and, and I just, you know, who, who's beating you up when you, you come short, right? Whose voice yeah. is that? You know, you have to ask yourself because what you'll find is like, what you're going to be hearing is not necessarily your voice. It's coach's voice, yeah. it's dad's voice, you know, it's, you know, and then it's your voice on top of it because we're, we're mimicking and this, this, what we were being taught. Right. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, when I was working with in the addiction fields is like, I'll tell you, you know, working with youth who are struggling with addiction, you know, I think Brene Brown said it and I kind of liked it is like someone who's dealing with an addiction and need shame like someone who's dying of uh thirst needs salt water right like it's just it's not helpful right but we, we figure we'll shame ourselves out of situations right yeah. so when you're feeling the shame you know what's what's empowering it's like you're okay if you're feeling the shame you're feeling the shame it's just an emotional fact it's just asking well why am i feeling the shame well i'm not feeling good enough right because at the end of the day what's informing the drinking it's probably a sense of is a lack of self-love, some yeah. of those wounds. And right. And so it's like, if I'm going to add a little more fire, I say it all the time. It's like, if I'm angry, a little more anger is not going to get rid of the anger. If I'm anxious, more anxiety is not going to get rid of the anxiety. If I'm shameful, more shame isn't going to get rid of the shame. So what is the thing that needs to be in place of it? Sure. You don't make yourself wrong for feeling the shame or the anger and stuff. That is just what you're feeling. But what needs to happen? What is the empowering thing? Where's your purpose? Where's your alignment? Where's the self-love that can come into that in that moment that can dictate the next step because you're making that step out of power because you're worth it and because you want to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And what you'll find is when you're not adding more shame, you start getting more power and we start conditioning ourselves into this, right? And it's ups and downs, but it's just, it's a practice. This is a yoga of life, right? It, it's just, it's, it's trying to look for those things. So it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you, when you step, it's kind of funny how you can do that, right? Is you can just, you can just step out for a second and drop all the details and you're like, yeah, look at all this. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Well, and it's the journey. It's yeah. Like, this is why we're here. Yeah. If we had it all figured out. We'd be complaining how boring it is. Going back to what we were saying, shout out to all the humans here. And you're, you're a human. <laughs> you're in this life for a reason. I love Ramdas said it, uh, you know, someone said it. You're in school. Why don't you try taking the lesson, right? Um, you know, and we're here, and and maybe it's not about not feeling bad, but it's about what do we bring to the feeling bad? How do we respond to the feeling bad, right? I've I've had my heart crushed, uh, you know, a couple times, you know, recently, you know, through the breakdown of uh, you know my marriage, and then dating just an, an amazing beautiful human and and that not working out and 
it's not about not feeling the pain, right? In fact, when we allow ourselves to feel the pain, we can, we can open to that. And I firmly believe the more vulnerable, the more open, the more we feel things, the more we truly can love others, the more we can truly love ourselves. And, and so it's not about shooting for an absence of struggle, right? It's, I think actually the real challenging human journey is, can you get through your life and be at the end of it and not be a, a crotchety old bastard? Can you be <laughs> kind of that loving, wise yeah. um, individual? At the end of the day, you can have a choice. It's like something shitty happens to you, and that sucks. You can be resentful and brought down by it, or you can say that really sucked and that hurt and choose to go out life with love, with acceptance and stuff. What feels better? Mm. Right? When you're a little angry, getting more angry, does that feel better? Oh, it feels terrible. It feels terrible. Anger. Anger I does. Hate it, it, man. Oh, dude. You know, anger is the poison we drink to kill other people right and yeah, you know so all, all that stuff and so it's like what can i put in place and it's not about pushing the emotion it's accepting i'm angry in this moment but it's about inviting your purpose your power you know your heart into the situation too and start working your way out from that this is being human and it, and kind of going to what we were saying this is why i love the emotional intelligence work because it starts with a framework that we can start having these deep dialogues with people Right. And that's why I said, you know, when I sat with you and you're, you're, you go right into it and you're willing to touch those emotions, you're willing to get into the tears. It's fucking beautiful, man, because that's true strength. Thank you, bro. Well, it's because of this, a lot of it is because of, I've been able to have this show and this platform to kind of go deep with it. And I, I remember now that we're talking about this and, you know, I'll, I'll share it with you guys listening. It's like when we went and I was, we were talking about my dad and about, you know, it was, a lot of the love was performance based. And I don't even think he meant that, but like we only got the love when we performed well in sports. And that's, that really hurt. Like I remember that was the first time that we had talked about that. And I went into a deep cry because, you know, my dad, Oh, he loved me and like was a great dad growing up. But as I got older and as a teenager, it was like we didn't really have any other bond but my sports. And if I wasn't doing well in sports or school, then it was like just this anger and just this push away. And so that's not unconditional love, even though he probably didn't mean that. But that's performance based. And I remember just working with you with that was a real realization on a lot of the pain, you know, that I you know, was masking. Right. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't, don't like, we're sometimes we're looking for this like really serious thing that's like going to be what's causing everything. But sometimes it's the subtle things. Mm. Like I wouldn't have ever, I never thought about that as being anything that would affect me, but mm -hmm. it did. Yeah. And some things that we don't think are the things are actually the things that we need to really unpack. And that's why I found with your work so interesting is that, you know, you helped me realize that and unpack mm -hmm. that. That was the first time I ever looked at it like that, that situation. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Well, I get chills when you're talking about it because it is, it is a beautiful thing because then, then, you know, as you see that you can play with it and you can start looking at, okay, well, 
if that, I was doing that with my dad, how do, how do I do this with validation and success? Like what becomes my success narrative? Right. And, 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 and what is my self dialogue on this? And, and how am I seeking approval from other people? How does that come into the workplace? How is this coming into my other relationships? And then you, you realize, you know, if, if you're anything like me, it's like, man, my validation is completely external. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then what you, you also find is that, you know, these, these accolades and stuff like that, they feel good, but they're almost soured because they're, they're really, it, it's like a drug addict trying to get their fix, yeah. you know, get me that little bit of validation so I can feel good. But then what, right. And then what we do is we spend our whole life chasing these, these carrots, these validation things that stem from just that subtlety in that relationship. But the thing was, is like, you know, here is this kid that needed to lose a, a game and a dad to come and say, Hey son, I just love you. You know, great. You know, you didn't win today, but I love you anyways. And don't forget that. Yeah. Right? Well, but, I mean, he always would after like, but it would always be a blow up first and then it, it would come around. But like, I just remember that. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it, it really helps me now realize as well that, you know, if I ever have a child, how different I would do it. You know, mm. like kids just need a safe space to be able to do what they want to do and not have the fear of if they don't get something or they don't do something, then that's going to be hell to pay at home. Like that sucks, mm. man. It sucks. Yeah. Like it's, I, you know, I live that. It's like, oh yeah. no, like hell to pay. And like, I, you know, my dad never hit me or anything, but man, there was like some times where I like, oh emotionally yeah and it's it's like but again i'm grateful because as is you know he there's a lot of positives that he installed as well you know? uh, absolutely man and, and no one's singularly all this and that and this is a life we signed up to i have to remind myself of this like i'm just watching myself scar my channel <laughs> i love him more than anything right and, and we make mistakes and he's human too I literally had this conversation with my mom this morning is, you know, you know, you're, he's human too. And he signed up for this life and there's going to, and, and it's not about protecting him from experiencing challenges. And again, that's where we've kind of gone wrong as a society. Mm. It's, it's about how do we make, help people make sense of the challenges and their own worth. Right. And this is why I love the stuff you do, man. You know, it, when you think, you think of it as, you know, we talk about all the challenges that made us who we are today um, and, and having these dialogues and we start seeing that and we're starting to make sense of that and we can start tracing it in our own lives, right? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it, man. I, I think it's, it's super important for guys like us, you know, the athletes and, you know, I was going to be a cop too. We had a lot of similarities. Yeah. I wrote my RCMP yeah. test, my police test. I was going to be a fireman, failed that failed my pre-paramedics in Edmonton actually. And you know, the same sort of thing. I just wanted to belong. I wanted to be, make a difference. If it couldn't be the hockey player, I wanted to be the, the somebody of like status or something like you're yeah. a warrior, dude. Yeah. I mean, we were yeah, the same, you know, the same your heart. and yeah. now we're able to, um, you know, do the thing that really we want to help. At the essentially, we want to help. We want to make a difference and use our gifts to help people. And I think at the core, most people do want to do that. 
Well, they just got to get out of their own way first and mm-hmm. really figure out what it is they're chasing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and personal development is not about the destination. It is about the journey. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, it, it's an ongoing process, layers upon layers. Anytime I think I have it, there's another fucking layer. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and <laughs> it's just like, oh, God, seriously, again? So, but once we start accepting that, it's not about an absence of challenge, that, that it's the journey. And it's, life is this oscillation of challenge and beauty and challenge and beauty. And then you realize it's just all beauty, even when it's hard. And, and I think that's, that's the gift and um, experience, yeah. you know, life, you know, it's, it's, it's what it'll teach you. Um, and I'm still learning it and I still struggle. And anybody that says they have it, you'd be very wary, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Having support is so key. Yes. As well, you know, it's like the tribe. The acceptance of like that we're all we're all fuck ups. We're all just trying to figure it out. Like, <laughs> like we all make mistakes. You know? it. Yeah, it's totally. funny. It's it's funny. Like we nobody has it figured out. Yeah. Nobody does. Even even oh. the people that we idolize. They everybody's struggling. Everybody's it's just a everybody like we p- people have this perception that every somebody's made it and they don't struggle, man. It's like as a leadership humans. consultant, man, and I see like high powered people are work with really, you know, people leading thousand person teams, uh, thousand plus person teams. Right. Um, you, the more you realize there's no one knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, it's comforting in one way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's, it's like, we, we, it's, it's a journey. We figured out, be gentle on yourself. Right. It's like who's the best at looking like they haven't figured out. That's yeah. really what it is. This, and I say it all the time is don't mistake confidence for competence, right? <laughs> yeah, because you can come in and, and you can be confident as hell, but no, nothing, right? And, uh, and that's usually what happens with new workers is they, they come in and they're very confident because they don't know any different. And that's why we need to be alongside them, really helping them because they're going to get their legs sweeped out from underneath them. Yeah. So it's the human experience, man. Dude, how are you for time? By the way, I just wanted to check. Mm, um, I know we I got went it. over a little bit. Oh, that's fine, man. I've been enjoying the conversation. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm decent right now. Uh, okay. I got the little guy out and with his uncle. So okay, cool. I I before we wrap it up, there is one thing that I a couple of things I just wanted to touch on. You're what like working with leaders and working with high performers. I'm going to ask you a basic question. Yep. What makes a good leader? To you. Self-awareness, self-awareness, hands down. First thing, like I did my master's in leadership. I went and bought a really expensive education. <laughs> um, and what I learned is leadership is not as simple as we think it is. And it all starts with self-awareness. You know, and, and that's the fundamental piece. When we understand how we're engaging and projecting on other people, I mean, fundamentally, if we can build our self-worth, our self-confidence, that self-esteem from that healthy place, know our limitations, right? That is fundamentally key uh, to, be a, to being a good leader, right? Mm. And so that's where it all starts. So very simply, self-awareness is what it takes for leadership. Who did you see, if you had to think about, let's say, let's pick like two people, like maybe 
like a, a, an athlete or like an author or a speaker, somebody that you saw as being like, or even like a boss, somebody that you worked for, who did, who did you see as being like a good leader? What did you like about them? Okay. Um, there's your everyday leader. I'm just going to say this. Like, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I was looking at a video the other day. There's this guy who's, who's, who's running there at the end of a, just a hard ass triathlon and buddy who is in third place, took a wrong turn and the fourth place guy takes in front of him. Fourth place guy stops and lets buddy go in front of him and win and take that third place podium spot. That to me is just freaking integrity. It's leading by example. Right. And there's tons of examples. Like one of my favorite examples is this little girl who messes up the national anthem and this basketball coach runs across, oh, yeah. comes right next to her and, and stands and pushes the microphone into her mouth because he knows she knows the words to that song. Right. She, she had a, won a competition to be like sing like a star kind of competition. She's in front of 20,000 people and she's scared. And when you get scared, your brain shuts off. So he ran up beside her and people were kind of booing this girl at that time for messing up the anthem, but he sat and he sang and he was a terrible singer. But what happened is the whole audience shifted eventually. And the whole audience sung with her and then gave her this huge cheer. He didn't go up there to be seen helping her. He went up there to serve her. And then by doing so, he modeled the behavior that was necessary for everybody else to be supportive. And that was a f like, these are like everyday leaders who are acting out of integrity, right? That stuff, I just, I love. And there's so many examples of it. So the, there is tons of great leaders out there. And again, it comes from here. Um, one of my, uh, you know, you said leaders, and I'm just kind of thinking of, you know, Ben Gallivan was my clinical supervisor when I was an addiction counselor. And what he was, I think, one of my, my best leaders. And, and the reason being is he did he had a very good sense of himself, you know, as a counselor and stuff. Um, but further to that is he really did genuinely care and he really did genuinely, he knew how to listen. Right. And he knew how to respond and knew how to see, see me and support me in the ways that he needed to support. And that again, being able to listen requires us to be able to shut up the internal dialogue and actually listen. Um, so with him, I always felt seen, I felt heard, I felt valued. Okay. Uh, I did my, my thesis on employee engagement and, and engagement. There's a lot of different ideas. I can't, I know I can't go too far into detail right now, but one of the key drivers of engagement is the direct relationship with your, your first supervisor, like your direct supervisor, that relationship, that is a key driver of engagement. And, and so people like Ben and stuff like that, who I feel seem safe and, 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 and challenge, like, that's the thing. It's not like he wouldn't challenge me. He wasn't taking care of that stuff. So he's, he's somebody that comes to mind. Right. Um, I also just want to, yeah, I'll do just one more here because this is another example I'll use when I was doing my trades qualification, we had these, uh, uh, instructors, we called them the four horsemen because they just wanted to make our lives miserable. So kind of like the movies, you see military training and they're screaming and yelling at you and doing things. I remember once they made me draw a face on a sandbag and name it after my great grandmother and carry it around because I made a mistake and said, sir, instead of master corporal. So I had to carry that around for like a freaking weekend on my back. Wow. I didn't respect that. I feared them. 
But there was this other guy. I don't know. I only remember them as the Four Horsemen, but I do remember Master Corporal Tully. And the reason I remember him is because I worked my ass off for that guy. But he was tough. He was fair. And he never did anything to punish us. He only did things. He was coming from a true place of like respect, mutual respect, right? And and so it's like you drop the anger and you come from purpose. Like I would have crossed across the world for that guy because I trusted him. Mm-hmm. So again, there's so many reasons why, and there's there's so much detail uh, into what is good leadership and what you can do to be a good leader. Uh, but I think fundamentally it does come back to that self-awareness because all those behaviors and activities that you do as a leader stems from that. Powerful dude. Where can we find you if we want to work, people want to learn more about you and work with you and all that good stuff. Well, that's a great question, man. Um, I'm starting to answer the call. I've been doing most of my stuff in the private uh, public sector, I should say. Uh, I, I'm going to be getting up a website at ryanmullins.com. I bought, bought the domain. Um, nice. And I'm, I'm answering the call. I'm going to start doing a little more private stuff. I do private stuff with organizations uh, a little more haphazardly, but I'm going to focus more on starting to do, do that. So uh, if you need the email, uh, you can do uh, ryan.mullins at gmail.com and uh, on st- Instagram, which is uh, underscore, uh, or sorry, at Mullins Ryan is my Instagram handle. Uh, I usually put up more self-development kind of stuff on there. So feel free to reach out and uh, I'll get that website up. Uh, If anybody's interested in booking some sessions, talking about the emotional intelligence, taking a deeper dive in what it takes to be that leader in your own life and a leader of other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All you guys, I really, (laughs) really recommend, you know, (laughs) working with Ryan because He's got some, like, dude, you, you got a gift, bro. Like, like you, you're, you're very, man, like you're able to, you, you're such a good listener and you're able to allow people to feel safe and open up. And I did it. I worked, I did it. And I, I felt so great after. And I really think that you leaning and stepping into that more, bro, is like, is your medicine, man. It's what you're doing already. But I mean, it's, it's, if anything, man, like, I'd love to see you just keep doing it and you know, thanks brother. I, uh, it's only going to get better. Right. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I, th- I think this world needs that so much and to be able to really figure out what, you know, where we need to work, like our emotional intelligence, like where we're weak, where we're strong. It's especially if you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. got Yeah, man. Get your shit together. If you want to yeah. have a business, you want to have people, in your team, you want to, you want to have, you want to build momentum and create, you know, this, this movement, have people pay you to do serve, to have a service. Like you got to have your shit together. That's yes. self-awareness and you got to ask for help. Like a hundred percent, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm on that journey myself with my, my company and, uh, it's been a freaking roller coaster over the last three years, you know, getting that set. And I hear you, man. You better have passion if you want to be an entrepreneur. And so you want to make sure that passion is coming from the heart, not coming from your fears. So just last question I always ask everybody, out of all the adversity and challenges, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? That's a beautiful question. And the end of the day, 
adversity has just taught me to continue to look inside and continue every challenge in my life is always pointing me back to the sense of looking at my self-love self-worth it's the message that life keeps shouting out to me and that my freedom comes from when i know that i'm i am enough mm-hmm. right and so you are enough fundamentally just because you're human you may not believe it but that's our journey to believe right that's the journey i'm on beautiful man can't wait to give you a hug brother i am so <laughs> looking forward to that dude i'm so glad we're on this journey together man and that hug is that hug is coming in a couple weeks i bet oh, yeah it's it's awesome dude thank you so much man yeah thank you love you brother love and we'll too, talk bro. to you soon eh ryan mullins everybody thanks guys i really appreciate it Again, if you aren't subscribed to this podcast yet, hit the subscribe button on Apple or if you're watching on YouTube, hit it on YouTube. All the information to get access to YouTube or to the different podcast platforms are in the show notes. And as always, it's much appreciated. I I love you guys and I hope you got value from this. Check out Ryan. He's going to be doing some more coaching and working with clients. So look out for that and, you know, really you know, um, just super grateful for this conversation and many more ahead. So love you guys. Appreciate you. Catch you next time.